Lost in the Long Box is sponsored by Gateway Comics and Toys. Gateway is located at 2368 Plank Road in Fredericksburg, Virginia. Our website is gatewaycomicsandtoys.com where you can find more information about our store, including hours, new releases, and specials for the week. Our social media is under Gateway Comics and Toys as well, so you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We good now? Yeah. Okay. Good evening and welcome to Lost in the Long Box for Wednesday, October 14th. Uh, uh, I am your host, Randall. I got my two partners in crime today. Tommy, say hello. Hello. And Madman is working the board. Say hello, Madman. Hello, Madman. Uh, Olivia and Enos are both out. They have uh, real life commitments that uh, kept them away. So it's going to be a while since we've done just a three person show. Uh, hope we remember how to do it, right? I do. <laughs> we got a little used to. Uh, Riding on their coattails, and now we got to carry our own weight for a while. Yeah. All right, so how was everybody's uh, week slash weekend? Good. Oh, pretty good, pretty good. Um, we started watching Haunting a Blind Manor last night on Netflix. Everybody's watching that. I should, you know, I need to download that while I'm here thinking about it. Is so. that a movie or a series? It's a series, series. apparently. It's nine, it's nine um, episodes. It's on Netflix. So far, we've seen the first two, two episodes. Pretty good. Now, it has, it has like another subtitle, which keeps throwing me off. Um, it's like haunting a blind manor, but there was something else on it. What is it? Uh, I'm going to have to go look now. Yeah, so, I don't know. I just remember house on uh, haunting a blind manor. House on haunted house on the haunted hill, or something like that. Is yeah, that, that's another series. Oh, is it? Yeah. Yeah, I think you're thinking about a different series. Well, I will have to be looking at haunting of hell house, hill house, haunting that's a blind very manor good too. That yeah, that that was very good too. That was excellent. Okay. Also, a movie called The Haunting. Right. Well, who knows? I, I got too much stuff to try and watch now, so yep, I'll get to it. Like I, I have to go back and, and still watch Boys seasons one and two. So yeah, I haven't watched that. Either. I, I got to finish Umbrella Academy. So just too I much stuff to read, either. right? Lock and Key was good. I like that. Uh, I didn't actually finish Lock and Key. I got to be honest. I had to pick and choose, and I said, you know what? I'm not going to finish this one because I got way too many other shows going on now, um, especially now that uh, CBS took Star Trek Discovery, started showing it on their regular CBS channel. Um, and now my wife has been taping that, you know, not taping, God, Randy, recording that on the DVR. I'm like, oh, great. A another show for me to watch. Yay. I watched like the first two or three episodes of that and just, I just couldn't get into it. Uh, I will admit I watched the very first episode and I was kind of like, meh. But then I went ahead and started, I, I stuck with it and watched the other next two episodes. I'm like, okay, now it's got my attention, so. Okay. Well, maybe I'll give it another chance. Yeah. It's, it's one of those ones that it is going to start off slow, but you've got to stick with it. Okay. Um, so I got some news items. You got some news items? Yeah, I got a news item. I got a couple of them here. You go ahead. All right. So Marvel's going to be bringing back the Thunderbolts. It's going to be for a uh, three-issue limited series coming up. Uh, looks like we're going to be having a team of the Taskmaster, Rhino, 
Mr. Fear, Star, and Batrock the Leaper. What? Um, Batrock the yeah. Leaper? Batrock the Leaper. Everyone's favorite. So, yeah, okay. Give me that roster again. Uh, roster is, is looking at, uh, like, Taskmaster, Rhino, Mr. Fear, uh, Star, and Batrock the Leaper. Now, here's what's interesting about this. And I didn't finish the miniseries because it started right before COVID hit, and I think I only got, like, the first three issues, so I need to find the others to fill it in. Wasn't Star originally weren't they trying to make a hero out of her? I know she shows up in Captain Marvel as Starts a bad out guy. As a villain. Right. And then they give her her own series, and I kind of felt like that's what they were trying it's to do. It's like that's like, where they were going, because I remember Wanda Maximoff shows up and says, you don't understand the type of power you're playing with. Yeah, because I didn't finish, I'm, I'm like you, I didn't finish the series either. It, the final issues are starting to show up on Marvel Unlimited, so I now need to go in and, and, uh, and finish reading it, maybe start over from the beginning, I don't know. Hmm. But, but yeah, I, I haven't finished reading it either, so I, I'm not sure what's going on. Yeah, because the fact that she's in this roster makes me wonder if she just went full-on villain, because in the miniseries, they actually paint her as trying to turn her life around. Yeah. So that'll be interesting. Okay, uh, what else you got? Uh, that's really all I had. I didn't, couldn't, I, I kept, I looked around, I really couldn't find a whole lot this week. Okay, well, I got three, actually. Oh, that's uh, good. Uh, the first one is not comic book related, but it's important enough that it should get mentioned. Um, AMC has announced they are running out of money, um, and oh, they right. expect to be out by either late 2020 or early 2021. Um, you're saying, so what is the movie theater company? But Regal just shut down already. Yeah. Um, and this is, let's face it, this is our outlet for our comic book movies. And if those guys aren't there, who's going to show them, right? Um, because I, who's out there? Cineplex Odin is the only other ones I can remember. Um, and if the other two fold, they're probably going to go right behind it. Um, if, if this whole pandemic thing doesn't get resolved soon, the days of blockbuster movies might be over. Yeah, um, everything might go to streaming and everything. Go to streaming or online or straight to, to uh, DVD, uh, Blu-ray release. Remember, that used to be the sign of a movie that was crap when it went straight to DVD. Yeah, now it's the norm. And now it's going to end up being everything right. Like. Which I don't think. I don't know if that's a bad thing, to be honest with you. Well, I don't think theaters are going away. Right. It's just going to be a long road back. Yeah. Well, yeah. I can tell you, none of the movies that have come out um, in the the few that have been in the last few months, I can tell you, none of them are making their money. Yeah. Um, can't be. Which tells me the budget for these movies are going to get shrunk down. If the theaters have to bounce back, which Good. means a lot of your big blockbusters are gone. Well, maybe they'll have to start leaning on the strength of their scripts. Right, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, not just like CGI and explosions. Absolutely. Uh, and I can tell you... CGI and explosions. One I, of my favorite movies of all time was Pacific Rim. I went into it knowing it was going to be giant monsters versus giant robots, and there wasn't going to be much of a plot, and that's what I got, and I loved it. But you know what? I love Pacific Rim. It's, it was great. I did not go see it in a the theater because I was like, oh, I don't care to see this. So, you know, it's Transformers versus, uh, you know, Kaiju, basically. Uh, yeah. But then I saw it on, uh, well, who was it? I think it was one of those free preview weekends we get with the premium channels. So I went ahead and watched it, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is actually really good. Well, I mean, there's a little boy in all of us that wants to see giant robots beat up giant monsters. Right. Absolutely. Well, That's I love the whole concept of the co-pilots in it, that it took two people to operate one of them. Right, the, and, and you know, it, it followed along with the plot exactly as you thought it would. You know, the guy who was supposed to get the girl got the girl. The guy that was supposed to die, died. I mean, you know, everything happened the way it was supposed to. Oh, it's very formulaic, yes, but it was still good. But, but it was were, great. weren't the two pilots, weren't they like psychically linked? 
Right. That, that was, was that would be a deal breaker for me because I think they did that with Voltron too, where um, <clears throat> how the lions work together is that the the lions yeah. would psychically link all the pilots together, and that's how they work so effectively as a team. Um, that's just one of those things I wouldn't sign up for because I don't, I don't want to be part of like, uh, I don't want to know a person that well, now, any person. The new Voltron Madman? Uh, yeah, the newer Voltron, not so much the like 80 series, but, um. Okay. Yeah. Cause I watched the first season of that and I never got around to watching the rest of it. So yeah. Um, uh, in the comic books, they, they talked about it a lot more in, uh, especially, I think like in the early aughts, they put out, uh, some new, new Voltron stuff. I forget the. I, I got them. I should bring them in sometime. Let you guys look at them. But they they talk about how the lions would link their minds together, mm-hmm. and they would like know all their secrets and stuff like that. And that just seems like something I don't want to get involved in, right? Yeah. I don't know. know know if I want to know my friends that intimately. Absolutely. Well, well, I mean, we're comic book fans, and so I'm sure you may have seen that there's some sort of you know Elseworld story or what if story where everybody everybody on Earth had a superpower, and that superpower was like being able to read everybody's thoughts and minds and stuff like that. What a horrible world we'd live in. We live in. <laughs> yeah, I, know. I, 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 know, I, for one, don't want to see inside of Randy's mind. Yeah, I don't want to know that much about you guys, and you guys are my friends. Dude, I don't want to see inside my head, so. There you go. So, another piece of news item, and I actually forgot to get this today at Gateway. Daggone it. I just picked up my books today, too. So, um, Tommy, your favorite villain, Superboy Prime, makes his big return today in Death Metal number four. Oh, nice. Um. I don't know if you remember in the Dark Knight's Metal um, story back in 2018, um, he comes back when the source wall is broken. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, we saw him in the Shazam series. Yeah. But he shows up today in a big way in Death Metal 4, and my understanding is he's going to play a major role um, throughout the rest of the series. That's good. He's a good villain. Yeah, he is. Um, Madman, uh, and I, I know we talk about Superboy Prime. Do you know the history of Superboy Prime? Uh, no. Because I don't think a lot of people do. So back when DC had their multiverse the first time, you had Earth 1, Earth 2, and all that, right? Earth Prime was our Earth, where there were no superheroes. Everything was in four-color comics. So we read about Superman and Flash and Batman, not knowing that on another parallel universe, they actually existed. Right. Um, Superboy Prime was uh, just a regular guy on our Earth who, through the crisis, ends up getting... Because... Um, and he, and he got the Matrix of Leadership, and then he became, like, the head of the Transformers. Right, pretty much. The uh, Autobots. Who is it? Um, is it yeah. Wave? Who gets them, Tommy? Um, not, is it Wave Rider or Harbin or... Uh, I think it was Wave Rider. No. Um, who collects all the, um, all is the it, superheroes? On, in, are you talking about in Crisis? You're right, in Crisis, because he grabs yeah, Superboy that, that's Prime. The, uh, that's the Monitor. That monitor, monitor, okay. Yeah. Monitor grabs him, and he becomes uh, the Superboy. And, of course... Um, the universe prime dies in crisis, which means we're all dead. Yeah. Um, but he becomes Superboy of that universe, and then of course he becomes a villain at the end of uh, at the end of uh, Infinite Crisis, or at the beginning of Infinite Crisis. Years later, when we find out that they supposedly saved the wrong universe, type of thing. But that's the yeah. origin of Superboy Prime. Yeah, you uh, you jog my memory because I remember slogging through the crisis. Right. Yeah. So the other news, Tommy. Um, Remember when DC was doing the future state, which was supposed to go to 5G, which was going to reboot everything? Uh-huh. Um, and then Dan DiDio gets fired, and of course, um, 5G gets shelved, right? Right. Um, and then they announced that, okay, well, we're going to keep all that stuff that we did. We're just going to kind of retool it and get a miniseries out of it, like around January, February 2021, which is pretty good. But they did hint that there is still going to be some type of 
change of the status quo in D.C. at the end of whatever this new miniseries is. Um, so, and one of the things that they hinted at was um, that maybe the final cover for Death Metal 7 um, would be a key as to what's going to happen, which the cover for that shows the modern-day Wonder Woman um, pomped upon with the World War II-era Wonder Woman on the cover. Okay. So it, it looks like while we're not getting 5G, they still are going to take that story. They're going to retool it. They're doing that thing they did back with um, Convergence way back in the day where they did that two months off to let all the writers and artists catch up on their titles. And then this storyline is going to come out and there's supposed to be yet another upheaval of the DC universe. Of course, because we need another one. Right. Uh, but uh, so it looks like we're still going to get something huge out of that. So keep an eye out for that one. And I have to tell you, I remember when we had Rebirth, and I stuck with it. Not Rebirth, my bad. New 52, and I stuck with it, and I wasn't enjoying it. And then they announced Rebirth, which was, you know, going to come out of Convergence. And I'm thinking, man, I really don't know how keen I am on this. And I almost gave up on DC when Rebirth was coming, but they turned it around. They righted the ship with Rebirth. So I'm really hoping they're not going to do something stupid here with uh, this future state coming out in uh, January. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Right. Uh, so that was all the news items I had. Hey, Madman, did you run across anything last week? Uh, n no, but I, I want to expand a little bit about, uh, like, you're talking about Rebirth and stuff like that. Um, it, it's got to be tough these days for the modern comic book writers and artists um, because you'll get, because of social media and so forth, you get, like, an immediate response. Right. Uh, positive or negative, you know, when you release something. And so I think that, you know, people say, you know, like, New 52 and then Rebirth, it's like it all happens real quickly. But I think that because of the, the advent of social media and the response that the fans were getting is that they were immediately correcting their course uh, as soon as they realized, like, oh, the fans didn't like this. Right, right. You know, and so I think it's a lot tougher these days you know, for uh, comic book writers and artists because, um, you know, back in, like, the, you know, Bronze Age and Silver Age and stuff like that, you'd have to wait, like, a month yeah, at, at for the fan For the fan letters to come in, yeah. people go, what did you do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, I, in this day and age, I'll be honest with you. I don't understand how any writer, artist, actor, you know, entertainer can possibly have social media. There's no way I'd be able. Well, to. why do you think so many of them are forced to sign NDAs now? There's no way. You, you remember the story about John Delancey in Star Trek: Next Generation, right? No, they had they had to quit giving him scripts because he loved to talk about it, and fans would find out what was coming up on Next yeah, Generation spoilers, before they yeah. filmed it. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. So he quit, they quit giving him scripts. <laughs> They were next generation scripts, so I don't think they're right. necessarily scripts. Well, you know what I'm saying. They weren't. They weren't all improvised like yeah. Robin Williams was it's famous a space for. Space soap opera, you know. All right, so we're gonna do some show and tell now. Um, Tom, I'm gonna let you go first. All right. Well, this week I don't have a comic book, but it is comic book related and it is pretty cool. Um, I don't know if you you ever played this this game or not, but this is from uh, TSR. It's the original Marvel superheroes role playing game. Oh yeah. The uh, the campaign book here. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I didn't like the rule system, but I did like the Marvel game. The rule book here. Yeah, it used two die ten in order. Yeah. It is, is all is all you needed. I I started playing this game when I was probably about fourteen years old with a friend of mine. Um, you know, when I was in middle school, I loved it. I had a binder like this thick full of created characters, yeah. with just with loose leaf paper and everything like that. I just love to create characters. Oh yeah. I never used. Even probably one percent of them. I just, I just liked rolling them up because it was fun. Oh yeah. Now I have a question: Is that the one that came in the yellow box, or is that yes. separate? 
Yes, it is. Okay. I don't have the box. I don't know what happened to the box, but I still have I still have everything else. Because but. I can tell you, back in the day, I used to work at one of those um, famous bookstores that was named after that lake by the poet that had written, right? Mm -hmm. um, and we could never keep that in. I was constantly having to order the, the Marvel superheroes RPG that came in a gold box. And I have a story that ties to it, which I can't tell on the air because it gets dirty. <laughs> Robert Frost? Yes. Walden books, Walden. Oh. Or Henry David Thoreau. Oh. Yeah. I used, I used to love just creating, just creating a random character with random powers and getting like crazy things that didn't make sense, like fire generation, but ice missiles or something like Absolutely. that. Absolutely. That was so much fun. Absolutely. And I mean, when it comes to, I guess this is kind of a side topic when it comes to like superhero role-playing games. I don't know. Have we ever done a show about that? Because uh, uh, We did a show on video games. Video games, right. but not role-playing games. But not on role-playing games. But I played several systems, including the Marvel system, including the DC system, and I ended up at the Palladium system um, for Heroes Unlimited because I like that rule system the best. And so, um, but like DC Heroes and um, uh, the Marvel uh, superheroes, use the d10s and d10s only and i'm just like you know that's not a role-playing game <laughs> right and plus yeah, they had these charts system. Yeah. you know don't get me wrong it was very simple i mean you know it's not like D D or something like that but it, it was fun i really enjoyed it and didn't it have little cutouts that you can put like if you're playing the hulk or something like that as a little tri tri-folding thing and you could have be your little piece and it sure came did. with like i think on the uh, on the box or so, in the box came a map or something you have a yeah, map over there Here's the map right here. I still have map. <laughs> I'll unfold some of it for you, not the whole thing. But oh, yeah, map. I remember it. <laughs> See, well, here's it's the like thing. It's like map. You have to remember. That, that's right. It is a, those things were aimed at the eight or nine-year-old, so you couldn't have a, a really complex system. Right. It, it had to be something you could learn in 10 minutes and, and play for two hours. Yeah, at one point, I had some hero clicks solely because of this game. Yeah, I, I will admit, I did like some hero I, clicks. I did like hero clicks. Too. Yeah. Those were fun. I, I had hero clips, clicks for the, for the purpose of using with this game. You know, like, you know, some of the, like, Spider-Man, Hulk, stuff like that. Our I friend, many, our friend Robert, one day, came to work with a box of hero clicks. And I was like, what are these? Because I immediately was drawn to the little tiny oh, superheroes. Oh, yeah. you know, they're hero clicks. I'm like, what's a hero click? And he showed me. And I started playing with him one day. And then I went and I bought a box. I bought, like, the yep. DC starter kit. And I said, no, I can't do this, man. I've already got Vampire the Masquerade. I've already got comic books. I don't need another hobby to occupy my time. Get these away from me. Speaking That's of one Robert. That's reasons why I never got into playing that game is because back in the day, I used to play Magic the Gathering. Oh, I yeah. I how much money I spent right. on those cards, and I was like, yeah, I, I can't get into something else like that that's just going to drain my wallet. Yeah. Speaking of our mutual friend, uh, I think I got into an argument with him about Clicks because we were playing, because you're not supposed to play like Marvel Clicks versus DC Clicks, but we right. did. And so uh, I got angry because uh, Scarlet Witch beat Batman once, and I, <laughs> and I was furious. I was furious. It was veteran veteran Batman and it was beaten by a, a, a by blue, novice level Scarlet yeah, Witch. Yeah, novice level Scarlet Witch, and I was furious. I was furious. Yeah. So they can tell you that you can't play Marvel Hero Clicks versus DC Hero Clicks, but people but how do. How many people really? Don't yeah. Know? What's right. the point of getting? Well, getting because both you always want DC and Marvel to go head to head, so of Crossovers. course you're going to break the rules and do it right. A comic fan on the face of this planet that didn't do that. <laughs> well, except me because I never played Heroes Clicks. Well, yeah. Because, I like played, I said, I had I played, I would have done that in a heartbeat. I mean, I just looked at those things and I said, 
Okay, this is a, a trip down a deep abyss that I don't yep. want to go in. <laughs> All right, yep. so moving on. Uh, Madman brought in JSA Strange Adventures. He Actually, Madman, before I jump to that one, um, he also brought in, because we're talking about those moments in comic book collecting and the... Oh, okay. The, oh, you know, why did I do that and do-overs and wish I hadn't done that type of thing? He brought in the soundtrack to Batman Forever. <laughs> I will give him his props. Uh, there it is. Look at it in all yeah, Sometimes glory. you make regret, you know, regretful decisions. And right. EK was in here saying that that's like one of the best albums of all time. And I, it took everything in my being just not to smack him. You know what? Um, I remember way back in the day when the first Tim Burton Batman came out. Before we would seen one shred of film. And it wasn't the Michael Keaton thing that drew you. Everybody was like a Michael Keaton. It was the it, new Batman theme. It was hearing that Prince was going Prince was going to be doing the music for it, and I was like, Prince, oh man, I like it, but he can't do Batman. Oh, what the hell? Blah. But they also they offset it with the orca, or the new orchestral orchestra orchestra theme that they had the ba da ba Yep. I mean, and that that was really good. I mean, it's just like um, Duel of the Fates, the new Star Wars that uh, song that John Williams did for Episode One. You know. That was an excellent addition to right. a new, to the new Star Wars franchise, and I think that uh, for all its faults, the Michael Keaton Batman, you know, I thought that the music was really good, even though you have Prince in the background. And Prince is, was, God rest his soul, uh, a phenomenal musician, but I don't think he really fits the Batman genre. And just like and just like that playlist that's on that stupid Batman <laughs> Forever soundtrack. You know, I don't think that Seal would ever be on Batman's MP3 player. Right. You know, it's just, that's just one of those things, that, in my opinion, is that, you know, because um, we've gotten into discussions on the Batman group on Facebook, and where it's like, if Batman had a playlist, what would it be? And I guarantee you, none Seal, of these songs. <laughs> Seal and the Flaming Lips would never make the Batman's playlist. All right. So, Back, uh, he brought in Madman brought in Strange Adventures, JSA Strange Adventures number one. These are great covers. I really I love, love the, the golden. Uh, I love the golden age look on these. That it's a very golden age look, and that's what I love about these is because, but it's like it's modern as well. It's a gold. It's a classic golden age kind of look where you right. have like two of the heroes are engaged in a in the throes of fisticuffs with some evil alien entity. And it's very much like a Golden Age cover, well, and it's but it's got, very it's modern It's got that looking. great Golden Age uh, blur down the corner yep. that you used to always get with them. And then to, we, need more, we need more Golden Age. To go with it, he brought in my JSA Strange Adventures number three. My favorite cover of the JSA Strange Adventures. Yeah, I'll give you that. That's pretty badass. Yes. Yeah. Adam and Wildcat just ripping into a bunch of androids. That's awesome. I've never read the series. I need to pick these up. They're, they're pretty good. The covers are phenomenal, but the stories are pretty good as well. And so the one that I have now, um, I'm going to go ahead and just jump in tonight's uh, theme. Um, tonight's episode is dope, dope. Um, where we're talking about those things that we blundered in our comic collecting, both our own personal stories and things that we may have read or seen. Um, Tommy, your classic one, I want you to say for last okay. <laughs> because it is such a great one. Uh, but mine um, is Teen Titans number one. Oh, that's so lovely. Signed by George Perez. That is so lovely. Now, you may ask, why is this one of those do-over moments? Because this is the second time I've had to buy this book. Oh, no. <laughs> so, I bought Teen Titans, did, did this run, off the newsstand when it first came out. Um, I was like one of those people who jumped on right from the beginning and stayed with it throughout the entire run. Yeah. I went to a convention 
let's see, this started maybe 82, 83. My time frame may be fuzzy here, so bear with me. I went to a con that Marvel Wolfman and George Perez was out, and I had them sign Teen Titans number one and Teen Titans annual number one and Teen Titans annual number two. And this was back in the day when they signed your books. They didn't do this thing on the cover. They took your book out, they opened the cover page, and they signed on the In, splash inside, page, yeah. and then closed it. And then no one, unless you actually told someone it was signed, yeah. that it was signed, nobody knew. You had to make a special note in your collection that this was signed by so-and-so. Or else you'd forget. Right, or, and <laughs> yeah, because years later, you would forget that's what happened. Mm -hmm. So the reason this is in my collection of those comic moments is at least twice in my comic collecting, I've had to sell my entire comic collection. Oh. Um, and this was one of the books that went. Um, in fact, my entire Teen Titans run went. Um, so, and here's the thing. This is the part that's going to really suck. Both times that I sold my comic collection, obviously it was for fast cash, when I could have probably done without it and found another means to get the money instead of selling off the collection. Ugh, that's heartbreaking. So yeah. at the time, it was like, okay, here's how I can get a, a bunch of money fast. Um, looking back, it's like, you know, there probably would have been other ways to do that. Um, I should have kept all my comics. Uh, because the very first time I sold them, a lot of my Bronze Age Marvel went with them too, including all these um, 70s, 80s DC, which is really a, a high point for DC Comics back then. Absolutely. I have a... Uh, regret that goes along with the new new Teen Titans, because you know that was um, that was the era when I first really started getting into superhero comic books was when that series came out. Right, and and I have I have a confession to make to you all that's going to make you all cringe, but it wasn't until the I want to say ninety two ninety three before I started bagging and boarding my comics. Oh, yes, and so when I was buying comic books and specifically. Those new Teen Titans, those awesome new Teen Titans comic books from the 80s. Um, so many of them I ended up folding. I ended up, you know, the, get, uh, the covers would be so loose because I read them so much. I mean, I really didn't care for comics before, like, uh, high school right. for me. And there are so many comic books that I had that could, that, that would be extremely valuable today. But I just didn't care for them until I found out about, you know... Uh, people who collect right. them right well i i'm i mean you know yeah i'm guilty of the same thing and this is just like recently guilty of it where i used to bag and board everything religiously and then i had a period there of about maybe three or four years where i just read them and i said you know what modern comics are never gonna be worth anything they're way overprinted um and i just started putting them right in the long boxes Brandon, and, i'm i'm right there with you i'm guilty of that too and this was what every title I was reading then. So I had three or four years worth of, of action, of Batman, of Detective, of Flash, um, where I just didn't bang and burn them. I would just put them in a the box. Wow. Um, yep. Now, I am going back on some of them and bang and burn them now because even though they're still not worth anything, the ravages of time will still wreck them. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So there is that. We're, we're, we're both guilty of that. I've, I've got a bunch of stuff that I need to bag and board that I haven't yet because it's just... Because like you, I was like, well, this is never going to be valuable, so. Right. Well, plus the, I mean, even though you're going to have damage over time with the, that, uh, with modern comic books, I mean, they're still going to last a lot longer than the old newsprint comics. Right. Oh, yeah. 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 I but mean, they should be cared for. 
They should be cared for. Bag and board your comics, you guys. Yeah, we actually yeah. did a whole episode on the care and feeding of comics, as I like to call it. And, <laughs> and, and if uh, Olivia was here, she'd probably be slapping us going, you need to be bagging and boarding. Yep. You know, Randy, I'd also like to say, too, if I, if, if I was ever in, in your position where I had to sell my entire collection or, or something happened to my collection, like, you know, there's a house fire and it all went up. Oh, God. I don't no. know if I'd start over again. Right. I, have I, I don't think I would, at least not at this point in time in my life. Maybe when I was in my 20s, that would be a different story. I have, I have seen... But now, probably not. I, I have seen some people on a couple of Facebook groups that, we've, that we're members of talk about losing a lot of the collection to either fire or water damage from the basement flooding. <sighs> um, number one lesson, guys, out there. If your comics are in the basement, get the damn things now and put them upstairs. Um, basement flooding, it's just like a computer hard drive crash, crashing. It's not... If it's when, yeah, and it's uh, <laughs> also you get damp that comes through. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, that's the simple basics. So that's something I learned in the Navy. Actually, <laughs> it's like, why is there water always at the bottom of the ship? And it's like, because it's always trying to get in. <laughs> <laughs> right, uh, Madman. Do you have a, a, a comic book collecting moment that you'd like back? Uh, I think I, I think I've mentioned this before. Is like I was going through a real dark period of my life, and I sold off a bunch of. Really great comic books like Avengers number four and like the first appearance of the Teen Titans and oh, yeah. yeah you have told me this yeah and uh, and I sold them and I regret it because uh, uh, you know I was in a dark place I thought I I really didn't think I was gonna keep on living but I through all my best intentions I I still am living and so I'm sit here stuck with the regret that I used to have Avengers number four. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, the important thing, Madman, is that you're still here. Well, I, when I bought it, I did read it because I always told myself it was like, no matter what I pay for a comic book, I'd be damned if I'm paying for a comic book and not reading it. And then I read Avengers number four, and it's like, man, comics in the '60s were awful. You know, right. my my thought on that is this: because I've read I've read through reprints some of the early X Men and everything, and and if you can take out the dialogue, that's just incredibly dated oh, yeah. and was probably even dated at the time it was written and just pay attention to the story that it's telling. It's not too bad. Well, I think, but the dialogue and the writing is just like, Oh my God, this is cringeworthy. Well, I think, <laughs> I think X-Men uncanny X-Men is a, is kind of an outlier because I think in the, in the era that uh, the uncanny X-Men came out, I think they are spe- uh, uniquely different from any other comic book at the time, especially in comparison to uh, DC Comics, the Distinguished Competition. You know, um, Batman and Superman, all your favorite uh, heroes of the DC Universe back in the, you know, in the Silver Age, they, they, talked, they talked to you like a cop would or your, or your parents would. You know, that's how, that's how they talked in the comic books. But the, the X-Men and a lot of Marvel characters, for that matter, you know, they talked like people on the street. They talked like real people. You know, and I think that, that that added an edge to realism. That added an edge to Marvel Comics, uh, and so I, I think that paid off well for them. I think Uncanny X Men is is unique in that regard. But well, here's remember uh, too. Stanley even admits by the time he got to X Men, he got lazy with the writing. <laughs> he was trying. He was tired of trying to think of the unique origins. Like, oh, they're born with it. <laughs> well, here's the thing: is that he did not know how far down rock bottom was at that point because <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> he hadn't done silver surfer yet. <laughs> right. And I mean, with the, with those early X-Men, I mean, there's a lot of the of big time things for the X-Men universe. You know, you get your first Magneto, your first juggernaut, your first, um, oh, yeah. your Sentinels, 
and and everything like that. So I mean, there's a lot of of, of key things that happen in those early ep- early issues, but they're hard to read. Oh, you know what though? Say that because one of our upcoming shows is on the X Men. Um, in fact, it might be next week's. Okay, I'm gonna have to go look at the schedule. Well, I was gonna talk about how how silly the idea was of matching uniforms. Yeah, oh, see, I love that. But you know what? The X Men weren't the first to do that. That was FF. FF, of course, was the first to do that. But I uh, love the matching uh, X Men uniforms. I thought that was great. I don't know. Yeah, but the the blue and the gold. Come on, man. That well, just, how man. how does Iceman get to skirt the whole thing? You right. Know? All he wore was a pair of rubber boots. <laughs> Remember that? <laughs> and Beast is never wearing shoes. That's gross. I don't want to see Beast's toes. Oh, yeah, that is kind of gross. I'm, I'm not a footman at all. Prehensile feet aren't pretty, okay? Tommy? No, 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 no foot is pretty. My wife and I got a discussion over that one time. She goes, I have cute feet. No, you don't. <laughs> that's a different yes, argument. That's, that's, yes, yes, they are. It's like, no, honey, you don't. That's something, that's something better served on... Uh, Shock Monkey Radio. I, I will say, um, I never had a thing for feet. Never, 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 never. Well, because you're a normal person. And then I worked in a shoe store. And lo and behold, about eight months in, I saw a woman and said, well, her feet are actually pretty cute. And then went, oh my God, what's happening to me? I quit the next day. <laughs> <laughs> Before working at the shoe store, did you score four touchdowns in one game? What? No. Is that a married with children reference or something? It sure is, buddy. Wow. Yeah, I, that's a good... Bring it out every once in a while. That's a that's a poll for you because neither one of us get it. Uh, however, I do want to hear one of your comic uh, takebacks you wish you could do. Well, well we're going to save save the best one for last. Oh yeah, you know, I know how is, much you want to make. Fun that's of me a great on one that. too. You I love make fun it. Of me on that one so much. But this one, this one's probably just as good. Um, it was before the the Walking Dead show hit the air. Um, someone I knew told me that there is a high grade Walking Dead. I don't remember if it was a 9.6 or a 9.8, but it was a CGC graded one on eBay and it was only going for like a hundred bucks. And they pointed it out to me and said, you should buy that. And I was like, yeah, okay. And I kind of just let it go and didn't do it because I was like, well, I don't read that comic. I don't particularly care for it. And I never bought it. And I wish I had that one over. Yeah. Because, you know, again, not a huge fan of the Walking Dead, but it's worth significantly more than a hundred dollars now. And, you know, I've told the story on here before about how I sold my Hulk 181 to help pay for my wedding. <laughs> That's what I was thinking of. I would have kept that one and <laughs> sold that Walking Dead number one. Because I, a, probably could have got more money for it at the time. And B, I could have kept my first appearance of Wolverine. So, well, wish yeah. I had that one back. Now, for all you guys listening, I don't regret selling the Hulk 181 at all. It was the right move. And I would do it again in a heartbeat. So your wife is listening. that's what i heard wife's in the next room you'd better say that you don't regret selling that she's not even home for the record but um but but yes for the for the record i would do it again in a heartbeat but i i do wish i had that one back because um yeah well that's what i mean it's like the walking dead isn't as important to you as the first appearance of wolverine no right and so that's what like value truly is. And it's like there could be a dollar value to any any comic book, but if you don't really care about The Walking Dead, by all means, sell it for your wedding. Yeah. But not if it's the first appearance of Wolverine. You well, made see, a mistake, bro. Well, well, see, then I actually uh, heard him really bad when he told me this story about how he sold his 181 um, to finance the wedding. And I said, dude, you should have called me. I would have bought it from you and held it, and you could have bought it back later. And he just looked at me like, I ought to slap you right now. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Yeah, I wish I'd known that. Yeah, breaking my heart with logic. Because we would have done that. 
<laughs> but uh, uh, uh-uh. what? I think we got it locked up. Oh, the camera we... locked up. What camera, Mike? Oh Here. yeah, I is locked up. Well, that's all right. We still have audio, right? Yeah, we have audio. All right, keep going. You're kind of just like staring there. All right, so that that is a good one. Um, here I have one. Well, you know what? I'm going to touch base on your um, not buying The Walking Dead number one. I don't consider that that big of a of a blunder because I will fully admit there's books that I passed on that are probably more valuable now that I didn't buy then. But I didn't care for the character or the genre. So to me, that's not a one that, oh, I wish I could have had that went back because I think even today, I still wouldn't buy it. Oh, I'd buy a Walking Dead number one for $100 in 9.6 or 9.8 condition right now. I'd turn mm-hmm. right around and sell it for what, you know, for what the, uh, what's going for on eBay, but I'd buy it. Yeah, yeah, I, may, maybe. Uh, maybe I would buy it and flip it if I could find one that low and someone just didn't know what they had. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a I'm not a book flipper, but you know that's one of those situations where if you come across that, you you, you got to do it. So here's my so I have one similar to that. Then, um, back when I was I don't want to say first collected, but I'd been in it for a while. Um, I went to one of my very first conventions up in D.C. Back when creation conventions actually used to do comic book conventions. Now they do things like Star Trek and Supernatural and Lucifer and what have you, and that seems to be their. Uh, their meat and potatoes are doing those gimmick shows. But I was at a convention. It was on a Saturday, maybe. Yes. I think it was a Saturday. I was only there for the one day and I was at a dealer's table and it was getting towards the end of the day. And I had about maybe 130, 140 left. I was near the end of my cash. Right. And I was looking on the wall at this one dealer and he had a green lantern. Number one, the Howard Jordan series on his wall. Um, for sale, right? Um, and I remember I was such a, a young pup collecting them that I was walking around with an Overstreet price guide in my hand so that when I saw a book on a shelf or in a box, I could look the price up to see am I getting a good price on this or not. Which, by the way, guys, don't ever do that because if a dealer sees that price guide in your hand, he's immediately going to start um, bargaining with you. But I remember it had Green Lantern number one. It was $120. $120. And I said, can I see that? And he goes, I looked at it in 120. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's about what it's worth. And the guy goes, well, I'll give it to you for 100. I don't care. Um, and I kept looking at it, and I kept looking at it. And I looked at the price guide, and I said, okay, well, that's actually a good price. And all I could think of was like, no, if I spend $100 on a comic book, my mother's going to flip. So I left it. And I said, no, I, I don't think so. I put it back on the wall, right? And then I went, went ahead and went out front i think i met my dad and then we came home and remember this was back when the conventions were only saturday and sunday and it was like the end of saturday so the con was still there that sunday but i only had a ticket for saturday i get back to the convention and or back, not back to the convention back home and my mom is asking me did i find any good deals or there next comics what have you and i said yeah and so i'm kind of bummed though there's this one comic i didn't get and i told it was like a green lantern number one um, and I passed on it. It was 120, but the guy said he let me have it for a hundred. And my mother was like, well, was it a good deal? I'm like, well, yeah, it was a really good price. And she's like, then you should have got it. I went, what? I, said, I thought you'd, you know, freak out if I spent so much on a comic book. And she's like, you know what you're doing. You've been at this hobby long enough. It was a good price. It's your money. You should have got it. And I was just like, take me back to DC tomorrow. <laughs> and, and of course I didn't get to go. And now whenever you find that book 
um, on Estelle Fest Convention. I can tell you right now, because I, I did a little research, looked it up. I've seen that book, Green Lantern Number 1, the Hal Jordan series, not Showcase 22 where he first shows up, but the first issue of his series. I've seen a 7.0 and a 5.0 anywhere from four to $3,000. And this book was easily probably a five or six point uh, condition. You know, it was a good copy, very good copy. You know, I, eBay a two point a, a crappy beat to hell two point is six hundred dollars. Golly! So, and I passed one up for a hundred, which could have been graded. I guarantee you, would have been anywhere from a five to a seven. I would have a five thousand, six thousand dollar comic in my collection. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the one that got away from me. That to this day, I keep thinking about. Damn it, I wish I'd have bought that book. I think that was also the same year that I left my price guide out, came home, my mom had been reading it, and I started getting asked if everything was bagged and boarded, were they in boxes? <laughs> and I'm like, who are you? What did you do with my mom? Because she saw the value of some of the comic books and dropped her teeth, basically. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, I remember the first time I showed my dad what one of my comics was worth. It was, um, it was an old X-Men, the first Silver Age appearance of, of, uh, of Kazar. I, I don't think I've shown that one yet. I'll probably have to show that one next week or something like that. And the the copy I had was worth about, you know, several a couple hundred dollars. And he goes, Wow. I was like <laughs> right. really impressed by that. Well, it's also it's always great when someone who's not in a comic sees one of your books and they go, What's the most valuable book in your collection? And then you tell them, Oh, it's probably this and it's worth X hundred. Really? Wow. What did you pay for it? Maybe twenty bucks. What? <laughs> oh, I love those. Are you going to sell it? That's always the next question. Are you going to sell it? Like, yeah. no. Yeah. <laughs> I think you should cash in right away. Right. Well, will it get sold eventually? I'm sure it will. You know, when I pass on from this earth and my books go to my nephews, I'm sure they'll sell them. But, you know. Yeah, I have no one to pass mine to, so I have uh, to find yeah, vampire because I don't plan on going. It's not happening. You do. I'm I'm ten years younger than you, so you you did. No, not happening. All right, I'm going to move to Mad Men to see if you got another one of those. Damn, I wish I had that back. Um, I remember in middle school, uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles got real hot. And mm. because I was a comic book reader, this guy came in and he, he had, and, I mean, this is, I'm talking about the original Eastman and Laird. Eastman and Laird. Uh, where they all had the red bandanas. Um, the original. And he's like, uh, <clears throat> It's like, you want to get in on this? And I, I flipped through, I remember I flipped through a couple pages of it. And I said, this is absurd. I don't like this. And I still don't like the Teenage Mutant Ninja, <laughs> Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. However, I should have picked those up. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Because um, uh, over the years, you know, I, my heart has kind of lightened on the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, especially as they lightened them in, like, uh, made them more for kids than they were in the original. And so... Um, uh, I I, I kind of wish I'd picked those up because I think that um, after they changed them to the where you know Leonardo Donatello they, they had the different colored headbands and it became more kids. Uh, I think that you know it it would have been cool to have those in my collection because yeah. I was because I was there when it came out. I was there when you know the birth of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and I should have picked them up when I had the chance off the newsstand. But I <laughs> at the time I said this is absurd. I'll stick to New Teen Titans <laughs> yeah, and, and that's, Archie. And that's one of the big time books of the modern age now is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Right. One. Yeah. 
In, in fact, I want to say the first issue of that is still worth a small fortune because yeah. it was such a low print run. Yeah. Yeah, high grade copies of that are still worth thousands of dollars. Yeah, they were an independent. I forget the name of the company, but an independent. Uh, Mirage. Publish. I want to say it's yeah. Mirage. Something like that. And so, um, and because um, I I I had somebody in middle school that we read comic books, trade comic books, and uh, stuff together. Uh, he said, it's like, I know this place where I, I, you can pick these up if you want them. And I was like, nah, this looks stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and now I look back and it's like, no, Madman, you were the stupid one. <laughs> Tommy, you got another moment you want back? Um, yeah, we got a little bit of time. So I got one extra one before, besides the, the big one. This, this is one that actually happened uh, earlier this year. As a matter of fact, I really wish I'd pulled the trigger on this. Um, had an opportunity to buy a Mary Marvel number one from the Golden Age. <laughs> I think a, you was, told me that. Was yeah. this at yeah, a con? Was, was I with you? It was. Uh, no, you weren't with me. This was. This is. I found this online. Okay. It was. Uh, it, it, it was graded CGC. I want to say it was a three They wanted four hundred dollars for it. And I had. I, I have the money in my savings account right now. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to pull the trigger on it. I'm just going to put money away for a few months, and 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 then buy it after a few months have gone by. Yeah. Because if I. Because if I spend that money out of my savings account, I might not put it back, and I don't want to do that. And yeah, it's gone. So I didn't get it, and I really wish I'd pulled the trigger on that because having a Golden Age number one would have been really, really nice for my collection. Oh I yeah, really, really happy with that, especially with especially since it's part of the Marvel family. Because you know, guys, how much I love me some Golden Age right. uh, Captain Marvel. Well, just like oh, I can't wait for those books I bought to come back. I am so stoked. I'm looking forward to seeing them too. Buddy. We're gonna, yeah, we're going to show them off here on the show when I get them. Yeah. In, in fact, I might be the only one doing show and tell that night because I'm going to I'm going to show off all five at once. Well, and let's face it, none of us can compete with those, so it might be better to just let you have the stage. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I have a couple um, that I'm going to touch on. One of them, and you guys are going to just love this one. This shows you just the mentality when you're a kid. So, uh. Way back in the day, we used to have a comic book shop here in uh, downtown Dead Fred. Um, and you guys know exactly who I'm talking about. They were on Prince of Sand Street. It was like the only one we had forever. Um, and the owner used to, not the owner, but the owner's wife who ran it used to tick off everybody. Um, her store was right next to my dad's store. And my dad ran an upholstery store um, shop. For those of you who don't know, upholstery is when you basically tear down all the fabric on the furniture and you redo it new padding, new material, and, and what have you. Oh, my God. Um, but it was right next door to that. And I was going over there, buying comics, spent a lot of time during the day in, in the summer hanging out in her shop. And I remember talking to her, and she said she wanted a sign for her store that she could put in the front window, you know, to advertise like the air conditioning and, you know, that it was cool inside. And said so it didn't have to be anything big, just something small. And she would like, you know, some like some of the superhero pictures on it, what have you. So I said, okay, I'll, sure, I can, I'll go ahead and make that for you. So took a piece of paper, this basically like an eight and a half by eleven regular piece of typing paper, and I started writing things like, you know, come inside, feel the air conditioning, cool, what have you. But I couldn't draw. So the pictures came from a couple of DC comics where I then took scissors and actually cut out oh my the God. heroes. I think I remember that sign. From the panels and put them on the sign. I think I remember that sign. 
and one of them was actually from a copy of Justice League. I remember that sign, and I with, remember thinking, it's like, who was the idiot that did where this? Where Superman was sitting in a chair um, with like a content, hmm, happy look on his face. But yes, if all of you went to that store and saw that horrible sign with the actual superheroes cut from a comic, I was a culprit. I remember hey. that sign. <laughs> I owe you a beating. <laughs> Virtual punch to the face. Right. Yeah, that was that was absolutely that was actually me. Um and, and to this day, I'm like, why did I you know, I can tell you right now, I regretted that like two days after I did it because I now had a cut up comic that I had to rebuy. I can tell you that was the first and only time I ever cut anything out of comic. I didn't even cut any out the coupons that you had to mail in for stuff. Oh no, you don't do that. That's crazy. And and back then they didn't let you photocopy that either. Remember, you had to send in the original. Mm-hmm. Best thing I ever saw was years later, and I'm talking about like like in the '80s when they had a coupon. It actually said you could photocopy the coupon. Yeah. <laughs> Remember your aggravation, and I still mm-hmm. feel it when you're at a show and you buy a book. You think, oh, this is awesome. You open it, and look at it, yeah, and some, some kid, kid cut, cut the out coupon, coupon out. You're like, for Olympic yeah, the Marvel value stamps. Oh all yeah, those, uh, all those books that had those that have been removed. Ugh. I, I'm so bad about it that those little Marvel digital codes you get in the modern books today, I leave those in there. <laughs> oh, damn right. I'm not taking that out. <laughs> the other one that I regret is um, I once, I don't even remember why I saw this. It had to have been one of those creation cons back in the day. Remember when DC used to do those oversized things, like the ones that Enos loves, like the oversized famous first editions and, and the other books like that? I saw a whole stack of them. I want to say that it was the entire run of those things for 50 bucks. And again, this was like, you know, back in the 80s. Um, I think they were actually still doing a few of them then. Um, the dealer was like, hey, you know, 50 bucks, these things are hard to get. You have to actually cut coupons out of comics to get these. So somewhere there's some damaged comics, you know, that's going to be your benefit type of thing. And I didn't get them. Even though now those things are so hard to get a hold of, too. What, Tommy? That would have been nice to have those, too. That, that would have been really cool. It even had the ones that no one cared for, like the Rudolph Christmas one and, and what have you, and like the Christmas with the superheroes. But it had all the other stuff in it. You know, it had those, those Superman ones and the Batman ones and the Legion of Superheroes. I mean, it was a whole stack of them for like 50 Superman bucks. Superman versus Muhammad Ali? No, because that was still a, a hot property. Um, and I want to say that the Superman versus Spider-Man was also a separate one, but all those others, you know, it was a whole pile of them for $50. Cause let's, I'd like let's, to get that Superman versus Muhammad Ali one. I think that would be a unique one to have. Yeah. I, I never understood how they did that. And then I remember reading somewhere that the whole premise was there was something that depowered Superman to make him a regular guy. Yeah, they were on like another planet or something right. like that. And, and Superman became a normal person. So. But yeah, so anyway, that was one of mine is, is letting that stack of DC Treasury editions go. Enos would slap me if he was here right yeah. now. Oh yeah, because he loves this. <laughs> All right. Madman, you got another one? Uh, I got one more before. Cool. Um, uh, I wrote a screenplay when I was eight years old, and I, I think I should have held up for more money. Um, I only got twenty thousand for it, and um, <laughs> it it was a dumb it was a dumb screenplay that an eight year old would write. It's about a, a guy a, a hero who has a magical ninja star. It's called Crawl, and I think I should I think I could have got more money for the screenplay, and I I should I should shouldn't have I shouldn't have just gave in so easily. You know, you you talk about that, but you know, I just bought that movie last year and watched it again um, because Nick Malley, who did work on um, this original Star Wars trilogy, 
He's actually known as the Yoda guy because he did work with the original Yoda puppies back in the day. Um, did a lot of the producer and effects work for Crawl. That's why I bought that movie um, and rewatched it. And I'm like, you know what? This is really bad. I should have <laughs> held out for more money. But let's be honest. Um, as bad as the movie is, the glaive is still one of the coolest weapons out there. Yeah. Especially when he holds it and he flings it out there and it's just... I think it's a really cool movie. Spinning on the I, rock. I want to take credit for writing and it. And all he's got to do is hold his hand out there. And the whole time he's holding his hand out, it's still spinning and spinning and spinning. I got to rewatch that now. It's a good flick. <laughs> Liam right. Neeson's in that. Yes, that's right. Very I have early, a certain set of skills. <laughs> very early Liam Neeson. All right. So we have saved the best moment ever ever for last because every time Tommy tells me this story I just have to chuckle oh yeah you're giving me such a hard, you're giving me such a hard time about it too so. and I alright so without further ado Tommy is going to tell one of the greatest moments in comic book collecting this happened probably about God, at least 10 years ago, the, Pit the Pittsburgh Pot Comic Con was still a thing. And it's since been, uh, it's since been sold off to, to Wizard World and then disbanded. So it's not even a thing anymore and hasn't been for some time. But I went to, and, and this is definitely the worst thing I ever said in, in comic books. And I still feel <laughs> terrible about it to this day because it just, it, it screwed a friend of mine over bad. And it just, it's terrible. A friend who I want to add reminds Tommy of this every time he sees him. Oh, I know the story. <laughs> I know where I'm talking about. So we're up there. I'm up there with my buddy Leo and another friend of ours. And we're walking around and he finds a high grade copy of New Mutants 98. Now, this will tell you how long ago it was. This was the only comic book seller at the con that had a copy of New Mutants 98 on the wall. Imagine that. Because now you can't go to a con without every one of them. I see seeing, seeing two or three of them on a wall, yeah. yeah. All over the place. But it was the only seller there. And he wanted $75 for this book. <laughs> and Leo was all set to buy it. And I said... And I told him, I said, you probably don't want to do that. That book's over, that book has been overproduced and it's probably never going to really go up in value. It's probably a waste of money to pay that much for it. And he didn't buy it. <laughs> and that's at least a $400 book nowadays. And I, like I said, I feel bad about it to this day because it affected him if it had just affected me I wouldn't care I don't want that 6.30 Wednesdays Mark it, it screwed my buddy over so bad and now if he wants it he's going to have to pay four times because <laughs> it's not like he can't not buy it <laughs> well here's the great thing that's so funny about this is now when that poor guy goes to a convention, he sees them all over the place, and all of them are at least four times yep. what he what he would, could have paid for. Do you know what? Do you know what he actually bought with that with that money instead of buying a copy of New Mutants? Oh God, here it comes. What? This, this is this is really cool. It was probably not as good a buy as as a, as a <laughs> New Mutants ninety eight for seventy five dollars, but he bought a replica of Stormbreaker. <laughs> 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 Which is really cool. Don't get me wrong. But, <laughs> like, 
buy it. Here's the difference, though. He can still get that today for 75 bucks. You, you can. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. That, that is that is the biggest mistake in, in, in comic book collecting. Now, here's the great thing about this, guys. Tommy told me this story, of all places, on a con floor one day, and at least three other people besides me all turned around and went, what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm certain. And then every booth that we went to after that, and I do mean every booth that we went to after that, Randy would point out to me the copy of New Mutants 98 <laughs> and how much higher priced it was than $75. I would make it a point, Madman. We go to a con now. Hey, look, Tommy, need me. It's 98. Hey, man, what do you want for that? The guys, yeah. 600. Yeah, 600. And he said, yeah. oh, I don't want it. I just want to know what you want for it. And Tommy <laughs> always looks at me like, I hate you. I really hate you. And I like, remember who drove here? He goes, I know that's what makes us so bad. <laughs> you know what? If I'm being honest, if the situation was reversed, would I do the same thing to you? Of course I would. Because that's what men do to each other. <laughs> you know, so I tell you that, that I hate you and I make a big deal like it's, you know, something that bothers me. But honestly, it doesn't because that's what we do to each other. We're men. We give each other a hard time. Absolutely. And Tommy, I'll tell you what. That story is better than having a copy of New Mutants 98. Yeah, the story is better than actually having the book. Yeah. If, if I could do it over then again, though, I would tell my buddy to buy that because, like I said, it, it, it impacted him negatively. I hope today you sell him. was like, why are you listening to me? I was an idiot back then. Right. Well, <laughs> yeah, I was like, that, well, that's why I tell people from now on when they ask me a question like that. I said, well, this is what I think, but you probably don't want to listen to me. I was a dumb kid back Did in he the ever, 90s. He still hasn't gotten a copyright. No, he still hasn't gotten a copy. Because, <laughs> yeah. He's so, not a super big time comic book collector, but, um, you know, he does want a copy of that because he does like Deadpool. But I mean, you know, it's just, yeah. So what you need to do is buy him a copy of it. Cause remember how karma works. Like case in point, when I give you my Marvel superheroes, number 12, look what happened. Well, I'll tell you what, if I can find a high grade copy for $75, I'll buy it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That, that has still gotta be, I, we were at a con and Tommy told a story to a dealer and the dealer looked at him like, is this guy still your friend? <laughs> <laughs> And he's like, Tommy's like, yes, actually. <laughs> that that was $75 not spent well. Well, right, not spent. Right. That was that was dumb. And like I said, you know, the, the 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 funny thing about it was is this was the only dealer that had a copy. So that tells you how long Well, how not in demand it was right then. Right. How long ago it was, because now you can't go to a con without there being one at every table. Right. Uh, those are good. And every time we're at, and I'm, I'm not kidding. Every time we're at a con, I, I rub it in his face all day long. <laughs> hey, Tommy, look, the mutants 98. Wow. He only wants a thousand for it. <laughs> well, it, It's funny because I've told you that story more times than I can count. And you still laugh at me. Every time, <laughs> it's so. hysterical. <laughs> I would have loved to have been standing there. <laughs> well, here's the bad thing. I probably would have been right there with it. Oh yeah. That character is overrated, man. He sucks. Don't buy that. <laughs> well, you in my defense, you know, we were there with another friend of ours, a guy named Mike, and he said the same thing. So it wasn't just me, but still. <laughs> right. Well, who knew he was going to get popular, right? right. Okay. Who knew that he was going to have two movies. And... So that is all the time that we have for this week. This has actually been a fun episode, guys. Uh, remember, we do have our Facebook page, facebook.com slash lost in the long box. Um, 
Email us, please, at lostinalongbox at gmail.com because Enos, who is not here, is lonely. That's why he's lonely. Um, and then we have patreon.com slash FXBG Public Radio. Madman, you're back on Tuesday nights, right? Absolutely. Uh, Madman has Shock Monkey Radio every Tuesday night from 6 to 7 p.m. here on FXBG Public Radio. We have our sister Facebook groups, Batman Yesterday, Today, and Forever, Realm of Superheroes, Comics, and Pop Culture, and gather together the greatest superhero teams. We will talk to you guys next week. Have a good one. Have a good night, everyone. Bye.